Chapter 2. Psychosis, Schmycosis. One of my favorite chapters. Just as there is a name for every medical ailment, there is a name for every mental ailment, and they seem to multiply daily. There are obviously all ranges in severity of mental distress, and I am not trying to delve into clinical psychology. I am more referring to the functional causes as opposed to the organic causes of psychosis, i.e. freaking out. Many ailments such as bipolar disorder, passive-aggressive personality disorder, anorexia, certain stages of schizophrenia, depression, and even obesity can be linked to social issues. In other words, our reaction to the world and people around us. Yet the impact on society is real. People who have so long worried about what others think or daily life challenges that they have lost touch with whom they are, and ultimately reality, are plentiful in our world. This is perhaps one of the greatest tragedies of our civilized times. Sadly, the statistics are astounding, depending on which ones you read. It is estimated that over 25 million adults are treated each year for depression. Five to six million children are diagnosed with clinical depression, as well-meaning but neglectful parents work harder and longer to keep up with the views of society, the neighbors, the need to have two or three cars, skyrocketing educational costs, for that matter, overall costs in general. These can be nothing more than rough guesses, as I am sure there are more depressed people out there than those that have sought help. Hey, when you take a look around, I guess there's plenty to get depressed about, if you let it. Now don't get me wrong, as meager 3.5% pay raises, if you're lucky, try to keep up with 3% inflation, so they say, wacky gas prices, crashing home and stock prices, corporate downsizing, cars that few can actually buy, boulder criminals, terrorist threats, Middle East unrest, I too feel the strain to classify myself. Couple this with pressures to buy newer, more expensive, have-to-have high-tech gadgets, designer bottled water, and the need to find the biggest, most impressive house we can leverage our debt to buy. I am surprised we are not all clinically depressed. We have become consumed in the myriad of afflictions and relationship problems that surround us, or at least our awareness of them. It draws us to find a hole into which our peg fits. We feel comfortable if we can relate to some social misery and fit in with the downtrodden paraded in front of us on TV and in movies. We assume it is okay to have something wrong with us. Not only okay, but almost a requirement to be, well, normal. I found some interesting information on the almighty Internet that will further expand this view. My comments are intertwined. The following is an excerpt I found on Wikipedia. Clinical depression affects about 7-18% to of the population on at least one occasion in their lives, before the age of 40. The mean age of onset, from a number of studies, is the late 20s. Because people who have one episode of depression may have more in the future, the first time a young person becomes depressed is important, both as a personal and public health concern. They are now marked for life. It continues. About twice as many females as males report or receive treatment for clinical depression due to stress and adversity. Hmm, is this from the males? It continues. Though this imbalance is shrinking over the course of recent history, I wonder if women's lib has a role here. This difference seems to completely disappear after the age of 50 to 55. 
I wonder if this is when we all lose it. It continues. Clinical depression is currently the leading cause of disability in North America, as well as other countries, and is expected to become the second leading cause of disability worldwide, after heart disease, by the year 2020. And that's according to the World Health Organization. Now this prediction was made before the release of this book, however. The number of institutions for mentally or physically challenged individuals also amazes me. And no, these challenges are not all organic or birth-based disabilities. Many are from broken homes, abandoned or abused, or simply a byproduct of societal stress. All are prescribed a battery of medications, as are many Americans. Does the cure for our societal problems and challenges come in a pill? Many recent articles, too numerous to mention, and so easy to find it's not worth referencing, support the over-medicated America theory. No, the reality. A quick slap of the same reality, however, shows us that regardless of the time or generation, there have always been personal tragedies and world affairs that gnawed at our sense of security and well-being, the death of loved ones, nuclear threats, wars, crime, civil unrest, There have always been pressures to balance pay with living expenses and uncertain employment futures. The difference is that there are as many new and wonderful sources of gloom and doom as there are mental ailments into which we can be classified. And just as many new pills. Whether from society in general or our personal or financial situation, they are realities with which we all need to deal. To run is to deepen the trauma. While the latest headlines may shake some to the bone, we are, at least, no worse off than we or our parents were before, when you consider social issues of the time, relative worth of your money, and the human relationship dynamics that have always been a part of our world. But for some bizarre reason, it seems as though many people, more now than ever, end up on some type of medication or seeking some type of counseling. Why? The following excerpt from the Washington Post may give us a glimpse. According to recent studies, the diagnostic criteria for depression is far too broad, leading to people who are not truly clinically depressed being diagnosed due to normal reaction to negative events. And that was from the Washington Post, April 3, 2007. Now this is exactly what I'm talking about. Doc says, Oh, I see. Well, you're depressed, Miss Jones. Take these pills for the rest of your life. Oh, and if you have any side effects, like thoughts of suicide or beating baby seals, call me. I will give you different pills. I will caution that I am not a doctor, but you should strongly question the need for, and the side effects of, any medication that is prescribed. With 3.5 billion prescriptions being written each year in the U.S., according to IMS Health, a pharmaceutical consulting company, I wouldn't worry about putting anyone out of business anytime soon. Again, I am not a doc. This is an examination of the influences and outside pressures that we all face and how we deal with them, admittedly with varying degrees of success. If you or someone you know has significant questions related to mental health and well-being, or if the men on the chessboard get up and tell you where to go, I do encourage you to seek professional help. But if you can, finish the book before you make the call. The more society classifies these alleged diseases, the more justified we are in hiding behind them. 
I believe strongly that those who follow this journey will be better able to realistically view who they are and be better able to deal with life without a penny of insurance cost or taxpayer expense. Hey, it worked for me. You may need some guidance and support. No one is an island. But be very careful of the guidance you receive. And always, always ask yourself, is this really the answer for me? How do you find the answers, let alone the questions? I am somewhat convinced of the power of meditation. Our brains are wonderful things. We need to shut up long enough to hear the wisdom coming from within. The only way to do that is to quiet down, relax, and let your brain roam. You'll find the answers. As many studies show, our minds are at the root of our current situation, and also the key to getting us out. You can pick up a good book on yoga or meditation, but all you really need to do is find a quiet place, maybe some soothing music, close your eyes and take some deep breaths. Clear your mind. Start thinking about your toes. Relax them. And continue on up with other parts of your body. You will feel the shiver, letting you know that you're in touch with you. Hey, if you're too lazy to meditate, a good massage or myofascial release from a reputable therapist may have the same effect. During my research for this chapter, I stumbled upon one of our recently defined psychoses, histrionic personality disorder or HPD. This is the diagnosis when kids and young adults begin acting out, described as self-centered, self-indulgent, and intensely dependent on others. Huh. Well, that sounds pretty much like most kids, and some adults I even know. They are emotionally in a state of unpredictable change, and often find themselves clinging to others in poorly thought-out relationships. They often fail to see their own situation realistically, instead tending to dramatize and exaggerate. Responsibility for failure or disappointment is usually blamed on others. They may go through frequent job changes, as they become easily bored and have trouble dealing with frustration. Because they tend to crave novelty and excitement, they may place themselves in risky situations. Not to make excuses for any type of behavior, but this sounds pretty much like many of our youth causally a result of our society and an increasing need to feel accepted by others. Psychoanalytic theories cite a need to get or replace attention and nurturing lacking from physically or emotionally absent parents. Still other studies point to our daily serving of media-generated hysteria. As with depression, misdiagnoses abound, in some situations based solely on the way a person dresses. More pills, please. I can hear the pharmacy company executives cheer every time a new ailment is introduced, supported by a surge in stock price. I will venture to say that if you're sane enough to read or listen to this book, you should try chanting, I'm okay, you're not, at least five times, before asking your doctor for some of those life's little helpers. By doing so, you may find that you are better able to handle challenging situations rather than retreating and hiding from them. If you question chanting as an option, it is a way to begin breaking down the negative mental assaults that we face in the course of our life. Realize also that the things you are medicating yourself to cope with will still be there when you wake up from the days. So it is better to at least try to handle them straight. It may not be easy, but it will be you.
Let's try. More pills. Say, I'm okay. You're not. Five times, please. I have given a lot of thought on the subject as to why we seem so easily impacted by the mental challenges in our lives. If you have also, then you're getting the idea behind the book, and the rest should flow pretty well for you. Our perceptions of self and the world are influenced by portrayals that are transferred to us through a constant barrage of other people's misery through constantly expanding media sources. We don't even have to be directly affected by negative events to feel somehow connected. One simple test will support this. For one day, take notes on all the media sources you encounter, including newspapers, television, internet sources. Include relatives, friends, co-workers, and others you encounter. To make it easy, simply make two columns in your journal. Head one positive and one negative. As you read or listen to the media source, place a check mark in the column that corresponds to the tone of the communication. No need to document the content or source, just a check mark. Do not focus solely on the economy, even though I will admit that may be a difficult task. Every time I did this, the negatives outweighed the positives, which built on my anxiety and depression. Until recently, that is. I found that it was the message I was listening for. The message that would support my feelings of misery, my self-doubt. In effect, building on and reinforcing them. Pretty silly, huh? As I completed my get-over-at worksheet, my perceptions and focus shifted to what was inside me. The things I could control and I found what okay was. Then the rest of the book happened. In prioritizing the numerous psychological attacks we face as part of today's society, I looked first in the next chapter to the gifts that we often receive on a daily basis.